Hello, and welcome to the Lavender Menace podcast. My name is Sunny. I am one of your co-hosts, and I'm excited for our first regular episode that we've recorded in our real time for a while, because we've just been inundated with, like, Taylor Swift shit. So I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, for the non-Swifty listeners, like, sorry. Um, But (laughs) we're back to, like, our regularly regularly scheduled one, two, three, three part section mm-hmm. of the, you know, hot takes, media analysis, mm-hmm. shared media review, and then recommendations piece. So, yeah. And wh- who's our other co host? <laughs> who's the co host? <laughs> yeah. Number two. In case, in case, in case you don't know, hello. I'm Renaissance Marie, the other co host of the Lavender Menace podcast. And an update that has happened in my life, like, at this point, a week ago, but I haven't mentioned on the pod, I met Natasha Leone and Abby Jacobson. Yep. So for the listeners yep. who don't follow us on any other social media, that is something that I can report back saying that I have mm-hmm. lived through and survived. Mm-hmm. Barely. Like, on the skin of <laughs> truly, your fucking teeth. <laughs> no, literally, my my vision did start to blur and my knees did start to weaken as, as it happened. And it was genuinely like a 0.3 second interaction because my body wouldn't have been able to handle anything longer than that. I truly believe that did happen. And, and I can say that they are just as genius and gorgeous and gay in person as they are as you'd think they'd be. So Yep. Amazing. So today we have a couple of hot takes like not a couple we have like five or six because we have four sort of backlogged emails from the past like week or two like from day of recording that I want to get to and then we have some stuff that we've tweeted being like do you guys want to hear us talk about this and of course you guys were like yes because what are you besides enablers of our bullshit like no truly (laughs) platforming the most annoying bitches you know every time i think that our listeners are gonna start finding us annoying they tell us to be more annoying like 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 cheering it on (laughs) at least the ones who follow us on twitter if you're just a spotify you don't engage right outside of the platform you know you zero input but anyways so (laughs) we have an email from Lacey, and they say my name is Lacey. I am 22, somewhat of a butch, a communist, and a big fan of the podcast. Like others, I've been a fan ever since your first biphobia cancellation, <laughs> LOL. The fact that y'all got crucified for takes that could be solved by people just sitting down and reading a fucking book hurts my heart. Also, sorry if my sentences are too long. I've given up on readability and sentence structure after reading over it too many times. Aw, thank you for re- re- like editing, like doing a reread of the, the, the draft. Yeah. My hot take yeah. is that people should be able to say and should be able to say dyke in public without being crucified. <laughs> Obviously, if it's being used against somebody, then it's homophobic harassment. But if it's someone calling themselves a dyke or ask uh, or asks others to use the word dyke for them, I don't think that's a bad thing. I was talking with my sister who is straight and her friend who is a gay man, and I was talking about how my dating pool is really small because I'm a dyke. They were both so weirded out and said I shouldn't say it in public. And the gay dude was like, "I know you're trying to reclaim it, but it looks, but it makes us look bad in public." Which, first of all, I don't care. <laughs> Second, reclaim. Mm-hmm. I am not using it to... Uh, I'm just using it. No re about it. Mm-hmm. If you don't mm-hmm. know what it means outside of it being a slur, is that really my problem? Also, you as a gay man who five minutes ago recommended Blue is the Warmest Color as a lesbian film are trying to <laughs> talk over me about lesbian discourse. Gay yeah. men should know to shut the fuck up in my presence. 
If we are talking <laughs> about a safety standpoint, I get it. But we are in the gay district in Berlin during the day. So mm. I don't mm. know what they are on about. Also, what do they say when there is a dyke march or dykes on bikes at Pride? Do they just call it the lesbian stuff or something? <laughs> my other hot take is a bit about queer baiting slash queer speculation. I was talking with my friend the other day who is a bi woman, which I love her to the ends of the earth, but she doesn't get it sometimes. <laughs> Raise your this hand if you get email it. Email has me. This email, I'm cackling. Oh my gosh, this is amazing she brought up how that guy from heartstopper kit kit tridge or whatever the fuck his name is was basically forced to come out and like i get it mm-hmm. that's fucked up but she then went on to say that we both should stop speculating on people's sexuality at all and we shouldn't expect queer characters to be exclusively played by queer actors like i agree with the sentiment that straight actors can faithfully portray gay characters but as an industry hollywood needs to grapple with its underemployment of queer actors in general when i brought this up she thankfully agreed that trans characters should only be played by trans people she had watched that documentary transparent and it changed her mind on this issue which love that but also you needed a whole ass documentary to change your mind <laughs> personally i can't relate but kept bringing up heartstopper can we even have a discussion about the instances where accusing real people of queer baiting can be harmful and where gaylorism isn't i truly have a little hope on greater solidarity in the future she also believes that biphobia is a quote-unquote huge problem in the community <laughs> Not that it can't be at all, but still, though I shouldn't expect too much. However, I will not be touching the biphobia subject with a 10-foot pole around her. Also, the pillow princess slash high found discord on TikTok. <laughs> Do you this, see how we're cracking the fuck is, up? Like, is the greatest hits of greatest the Lavender of, Menace cancellation. over the last two weeks of the internet. To be honest, of like the LGBT turn, LGBT no, tinter internet. Ugh. This is so good. God, it's rotting my brain. <laughs> Even some of the people that are correcting others about the historical meaning and saying they are feminine lesbians are wrong. That second part mostly happens only with high femme, but whatever. Anyway, even if y'all never get to this or have already covered these, I just needed to get this out. <laughs> Thanks, Lacey. A concerned dyke. <laughs> oh my god. You know what? Actually, no. Thank you, Lacey. Thank you. I feel <laughs> I feel indebted that you're even saying thanks after that gold gold mine of of an email. I mean, I couldn't help myself from cackling. Usually we like a clean read of the emails, but that just that just is not gonna be possible with this. Sunny is prepping. For those of you who aren't on the Patreon, Sunny is is drinking the tea, getting all the beverages lined up to prepare for this. Actually, that's a good idea. It's very serious. No, like I need to be well lubricated in order <laughs> to express my full thoughts and opinions on this. But we also have other hot takes to get to, so it's gonna be quick and snappy. The heartstopper Kit Kittredge thing is killing me because <laughs> there's something about like YA mm-hmm. LGBT LGBT media that just rots mm-hmm. everyone's brains to like the highest degree. Cause I remember yeah. like five to ten years ago when Becky Albertalli, author of Simon versus the Homo sapiens agenda, which became adapted became adapted into Love Simon, she mm-hmm. has a bunch of like YA LGBT books out and I read a lot of them okay it's YA contemporary okay mm-hmm. so it's like it's whatever the bar is low like you know <laughs> the bar- there's a huge thing happening like five years ago or whatever the fuck I don't know I I didn't give a fuck okay she is like married to like a man and has children after people kept on being like why is a straight woman writing about these like queer teenagers that's so weird 
people kept on saying that about like her books and eventually she was like i'm actually bisexual guys and so people were like why so then people were like you guys essentially forced this like woman out of the closet because you guys Mm -hmm. kept on questioning her authorial intent in the writing which i'm like okay i think forcing someone out of the closet that being like an issue of contention within the quote-unquote queer community in the first place is hilarious mm-hmm. because we <laughs> exist in a in the society of the spectacle guy to board i'm in the middle of reading that right now and his <laughs> section about the russian revolution is making me want to tear my hair out but the first part about like <laughs> the capitalist projection on like mm-hmm. the spectacle of media is like so real it's just so i don't know i feel like so much of this is a non-issue also because if you actually read <laughs> her books and you're like actually because i was like a teenager reading these books for teenagers and mm-hmm. it's obviously the hashtag representation that is being done is fine. Like, it's not it's not problematic or bad because mm-hmm. of the way that queerness is represented. Because of the intent or through, her... Yes, through like, the characterization of these kids yeah. being gay. Like, she's just writing about... Te- like, she's just one of the many thousands of people who write books about Mm -hmm. teenagers but her characters happen to be queer and in her author bio I remember reading this when I was a young teen reading her books in her author bio she talks about being like a psychologist who works in like Georgia or something and who works with a lot of queer teenagers so it's like Mm -hmm. if we if people had any semblance of media literacy you would understand that with something (laughs) like a young a fucking young adult novel you don't, it doesn't necessarily have to be hashtag own voices, which its own category of thing. <laughs> hashtag own voices books is beating me, beating my ass. Like, I can't, like, that category of book within the YA genre. I mean, okay, it's good that YA has become more diverse over the past five to ten years. Sunny is like, I hate people of color. I hate gay people. I hate writers. I hate I hate books. I hate, I hate, I hate teenagers. And yeah. I hate, no. Like, uh, yeah. I hate young people, I hate young queer people, I hate young queer people of color, I hate women, I hate... Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. but, like, all of this is just so fucking hilarious. And then the, the Heartstopper, obviously another young adult book mm-hmm. to screen adaptation. And then everyone coming for this kid's throat because there was a picture of him holding hands with this girl. And, and then both of these people being, like, bisexual. Does this mm-hmm. not... Does this not just exactly prove our fucking point that bisexuals on the internet and gay people on the internet are crazy? Like, you guys are unwell. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and, no, and lesbians mm-hmm. online do not treat any of the people that we love in this way. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like people yeah. are not harassing Taylor Swift. In, I mean, at large, People who mm-hmm. queer code Taylor Swift and have a queer oppositional reading of her music, of her music mm-hmm. and her as a pop artist, don't bully her into coming out because that's stupid. No. Like, why yeah. would you want that? Why does someone have to declare their sexuality because of the media that they create or the art that they make when the art that they make uh, at, at, at face value can be judged like, in terms of its representation of queerness. Like, Heartstopper isn't mm-hmm. bad because of the way that it represents queer teenage dumb and whatever. Like, it's not no, even... it's bad because they're British. <laughs> <laughs> even if the actor wasn't gay, it doesn't yeah. matter because the show is good. Like, 
that like because yeah, we were screaming like we were watching the fucking Super Bowl. Like, are we not gonna talk about how we watched our supper? I mean, I know we did, like in general, but in this rant, were no, you ever gonna no, sneak like, into the fact that we were stands for a hot moment, that we were defending that day in and day out to our friends and penciling it into our daily schedule at the end, being like, guys, you have to drop us off soon because we have two episodes of Heartstopper to to get through tonight. So it's like you know, we were there. You know, we're not completely othering those who no, enjoy for sure. Heartstopper. Like, we get Like, it. these calls are coming no, we, inside we the understand. house. No, we understand. And that's yeah. the thing. For Which us, is why also it's, it was a it's non-issue. stupid to... Right. Yeah, no. Like, because that was never... In my mind, I was never thinking, oh, are these boys actually gay? Like, I don't give a fuck. Well, because it was clear. We watched it. <laughs> I mean, I think anyone who watched the show, out or not, I mean, I think at least in five years, I would have expected something. Well, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to harass the poor boy over it. I mean, saying, like, let him get his groceries for Pete's sake. See how lesbians treat on online, like, and this will be relevant mm-hmm. in our media discussion section because we're talking about Girls Can Kiss Now by Jill Benowitz, where Absolutely. it's like, we understand that these actors and actresses that we love, we're like, oh my god, they play these gay characters, and we love these movies, and we love the representation, not, we, we, we don't, it's not hashtag I love the representation, hashtag yeah. representation, it's more of like, oh, this is a lesbian I character. I love feeling this connection to something. Yes, and also I know. think that this actor's portrayal of this lesbian character, or in this lesbian movie, is great. And it doesn't, like... Yeah. And then we just call them gay for the rest of their careers, even if they're married to a man and they have kids. Like, yeah. who cares? Like, that's just yeah. what's going to happen. You know what I mean? And Because like, calling someone gay isn't an insult. Right. But, like, forcing someone to come out and, like, calling them, at like, gunpoint. horribly homophobic. Yeah. At gunpoint for merely holding hands with a girl and taking a photo. Which, like, by the way, how many of your guys' gay friends do you hold hands with? Are you fucking calling into... Like, it's like, how is that the thing that really tipped everyone fucking over? Well, I think we should definitely circle back to the dyke point. But in terms of Heartstopper, though, the other thing that I don't understand is, like, this is, this is coming from the same, like, vocabulary brain rot that, like, the bastardization that, like, male gays had mm-hmm. with, like, queerbait is, like, you guys don't understand what male gays Or the word queerbait just took means. it. Yeah. Yeah, or the word queer... Like, or in the this origin... This is a media analysis what? framework. Not for real exactly. life, bitch. Come on. Like, I think it's so interesting how people, like, take the vocabulary of, like, television and film and just completely Misuse strip it, it of yeah. all context. Completely... Because it's, like... These are media analysis tools and vocabulary, you know, in the same way that, like, literature has a specific set of vocabulary that used to talk about it. And, like, I mean, of course we use those metaphors to talk about our own lives. I say, (laughs) you know, character development for myself, call (laughs) call the universe my producers, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, one person, one real-life person taking a photo with someone else of, like, the oxygen or whatever in a straight way, whatever the fuck that means... That is not queer baiting. Like, and I, I'm saying this as someone who lives through queer baiting. Okay, mm-hmm. I was there at the Rizzoli Niles uh, season premiere where every single season they tease them getting together. Never did. I survived Swan Queen. Okay, I know what the fuck queer baiting is. Um, we were the there. Supercorp for yeah, BBC Sherlock. 
<laughs> like, yes, we were we that's, were coming of age during the Super Hulak Nexus, so we understand like, that's where queer baiting as a term like fucking emerged from. Queer baiting comes from literally baiting a queer audience into thinking that you're going to make something gay in order to profit off of them, in order to keep that viewership, in order to mm-hmm. string them along week to week without actually ever having to commit yeah. to gay characters because of either like the network yeah. fear of homophobia not wanting to the people actually hating write gay, gay people, characters yeah which actually is write gay obviously characters. not applicable to heartstopper because it's explicitly gay as a piece of exactly text. and the actors mm-hmm. who were acting in it what you have know no, that they're playing gay literally <laughs> also like you're not entitled to those people's personal lives whatsoever no and that's why this whole like the difference between speculating and prying into someone's like life i think is mm-hmm. like another thing that jill gutowitz sort of explores in girls can kiss now and also has been a point for of sure. contention for the several like for the past like century this question of like outing people from the queer community like in this book Mm -hmm. that i just read called lesbian choices by claudia card who's a philosopher there's a whole chapter about the ethics of outing people and the politics of of what it means to out someone and i think like within the contemporary media landscape that we live in and this like Mm -hmm. moral purity culture of teenagers on the (laughs) internet like it is Mm -hmm. so fucking bizarre to see terms like queer baiting that are obviously specifically used to target the structural issues of like Hollywood film and TV like trying Mm -hmm. to take advantage of like a fan base and an audience that is like really begging for some sort of media representation and and Mm -hmm. taking advantage of it without actually giving them the representation that they want like that's what it's about not about people's individual personal lives like it's actually quite removed from it because Stephen Moffat one of the writers and like I think producers of some of the shows that the term queer baiting even emerged from is himself a gay man like it has nothing mm-hmm. to do with the personal identity like most of the time it mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the personal identity of the people creating or as a part of creating the, the the media like it's more about like how these these systems at large work and it's weird it's just so people are fucking dumb but it's the internet so you well know. of course I think just like well I think we talked about this like months and months ago maybe even a year ago with like the whole Billie Eilish thing and her music video with mm-hmm. all the women and she was told that like she was queer baiting for literally just being in pictures with women and or, like in a that music was video yeah, yeah 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 in a music video and it's like oh my god yeah that's like that's not <laughs> that's not what this is people even expressing their sexuality or attraction or whatever without explicitly quote-unquote coming out isn't queer baiting like that's just called human literally and And also it's like what is outing what does it mean to force someone to come out because it's just like do i come out to every fucking person that i meet no Mm -hmm. but it's also like if my friend's introducing me and they're like oh yeah my friend renaissance and it's appropriate to the conversation that she mentions that i'm gay because she doesn't think that the people she's talking to are homophobic it's like I'm not going to have an issue with that because, yeah, I am gay. And I know that she's know that I'm gay. And she would never just be like, put me in, you know? So it's like, like, but that's also, again, interpersonal relationships. That's Mm -hmm. not... The media spectacle. for Yeah, that's not forcing people to come out or outing people. Whereas if there's someone I'm like, I'm not comfortable with people knowing or you're telling people that I'm gay in order to put me in harm's way, where it's like actually not relevant for them to have that information. Mm -hmm. Like... 
that's completely different. But I think again, like the thing is, is that media illiteracy has like real life consequences. Like as much as we poke yeah. <laughs> and jest about this, it's like people not being able to actually comprehend how one TV and films are made, mm -hmm. like just like who writes it, who makes it, why and for what, not being able to actually engage with what they're watching as like a viewer. And I'm not even just talking about like fandoms and having like favorite characters or whatever, like that's fun and surface level interactions are fun, but not being able to actually engage. And then three, extending that to like harassing the actors in it, not even the people who are responsible for making the content, just the people who are paid to act it on screen. That's crazy. And the fact that like queer baiting and using it in this way is dumb. The fact that Kit and like him as a person felt this kind of like pressure and inner turmoil to yeah. even be pushed to this point is like, do you guys not fucking understand how crazy that, it, like from an audience perspective, like do you yeah. have no guilt? Do you have no shame? Yeah. And then also does this not prove our point that it's like, yeah, bisexual people who are seen in a heterosexual relationship are not seen as queer. Yeah. <laughs> like you guys can't even understand that even if he was in a photo, that didn't go against any presumption or any assumption mm -hmm. that you made about him mm -hmm. previously, like that he could still be <clears throat> bisexual, you know, yeah. which is like the, the logic that I'm going to fucking pick up the bat for right. bisexual boys or whatever. <laughs> but it's like, do you not see, like, why How? are you coming no. at These, Sunny specifically like, or the podcast right. when you're the one behaving this way exactly. in your own community? Yeah. It wasn't lesbians or at, yeah. at least none of my people yeah. who were fucking harassing this <laughs> this, this guy yeah. over being like this kid like i yeah. mean my god it's like if he's gay he's gay if he's not he's not who gives a fuck heart stopper slap and i might rewatch it again like okay and what like, no like please that's what i'm saying like it's like even like do you guys not what do you think what do you think bisexuality and like queerness what do you like, what do you think that's a that's a complete question what's going on up here that's that's a real fucking question like, because it's like how are you gonna get mad at this boy for and that's another thing the fact that this like becky abertali and then now Kit kittridge were like mm -hmm. okay you have documented proof that i'm doing heterosexual things the reality is, is that I am still queer. So stop trying to act as if I'm doing something morally wrong for not acting queer enough mm -hmm. for you, even though I'm producing and a part of queer media, is something that is like, do we not That's, like, like, it's literally, it's so, like the way we're both, like, we're so, like, because it's like, it's like, God. if, like, so you do think that performance and queerness are related. That, so you do understand that. So but then why like, so then why are you bullying me for pointing the fact that that is the truth? Like what the fuck? Crazy. Like, be like it's it's be so for real right I mean, now. Oh my god. The I mean to for us at this point in the podcast that surprise at the cognitive dissonance of people <laughs> who attack us on on Twitter. I mean Fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> Fool me five million fucking times, shame on me. Like I'm not gonna, oh, I'm not gonna act surprised. God. But it's like, it's truly, it's like how. I mean, I literally just saw a reply to one of my tweets. So they're like, oh, so you think that bisexual people can have straight privilege? 
Oh, or it's like if they're in a straight fucking relationship. Like, it's fuck like. What are you talking about, please? Or no. And then, like, the one above was like, oh, so you think that bisexual people have more rights than gay people? If you're in a relationship that doesn't have, that doesn't pose any threats to your rights, then I would say yes, pretty objectively. That means that some bisexual people do have more rights than gay Ooh. people. Because they're like, it's like, like, what do you mean? How am I being treated like the crazy one? How is that question being posed like I'm the crazy one? You not hear yourself. But, and I think like even, you know, I don't know Lacey's friend or whatever, but needing a documentary to know that trans actors should play trans people. And that's pretty cut and dry in a way that sexuality doesn't necessarily translate. Like LGBT itself as an acronym is to show solidarity between the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and trans communities yeah. and how they were marginalized together by cis heteropatriarchy. Yeah. That's not in like to interchangeable LGBT, right. right? So like obviously gay characters do not have to be played by gay actors. I mean now, is it a bit of a tip of the hat if you're a straight actor <laughs> playing a gay character? I mean, unless you're Harry Styles, I'd say yes. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> but i think like when it comes to transness like obviously that should be portrayed by trans people but also the history of even the representation of trans people in film it's is like very we need different at least from how like we need yeah. a long time of like real positive actual trans people representing themselves on screen to even slightly counteract the history of trans narrative like it's like not even close no definitely not comparable at all because yeah. the way that like queer narratives and the way that you can apply like a queer reading of mm -hmm. film and media for like just gayness in general it like it's yeah and also the way that gayness can be portrayed through like f television and film and also just storytelling in general it's very yeah it's it's very different from transness. Yeah. And it just, like, is. Like, that's not to say that one's, like, better or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's not a value assessment. It's just, like, no. the reality it's just the truth. is just, they exactly. are different. Yeah. And yeah. so it's, like, that's also why I don't like calling a character, like, an LGBT character. Because, like, you're telling me that it is LGBT. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, unless you're Gabby Dunn. <laughs> no, you're not. So. <laughs> right. Like, so uh, it's like, uh, no. You know, so sorry to Kit. I mean, he's out now. So I hope that maybe, like, that brings him peace that hopefully people will hop off his dick and he'll be able right. to do whatever the fuck he wants in terms, <laughs> just in terms of like, I don't know, taking pictures with people. Um, so glad that he can do that freely now. But I mean, like, do you get it? Like, it's just like, I don't know. I think it's just ridiculous that yeah, this was that, that even happened. Yeah. And when I saw it, I was just like, guys, you guys are so fucking dumb. No, like, literally. why would you ever put someone in this position? Yeah. And I think it's like such a shame. Like, I don't ever like, Gay people are not the number one perpetrators of homophobic violence, yeah. obviously. So I don't like to spend much time blaming gay people, mm -hmm. you know, for that kind of shit. But it's like, I do think that it's like a fucking shame that he was forced to be outed by other bisexual people online. Yeah. yeah. Like, what? I'm sorry, but yeah. mean lesbians making a joke about boyfriends is, is the real <laughs> access of oppression for y'all, is the real hard hammer that's crushing down. Like... 
Yeah. I, th- I think that's just ridiculous. Yeah. But I really want to talk about the dyke point. Yeah. Um, Because I just want to say, I say dyke IRL to people, whoever, yeah. but often. Yeah, of course. Um, Why would I not? Please be and, real right I, now. Yeah. Like, I said, like, I literally, I was doing a group project or whatever, and I was like, we had to, like, make up a little mini storyline or whatever, like a pitch thing for extra credit. And I was like, oh, one of the characters should definitely be a dyke. And then, like... I realized after I said it that some people like looked at me with a pause, but like like didn't say anything. But I was like, you know that I'm a lesbian. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like mm-hmm. like the people knew. So I'm like, why? Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. You like. Yeah. But I also I love the part of like I'm not trying to reclaim like there's no re about it. Like yeah. I'm just saying it. Yeah. And I feel the exact same way. I'm not reclaiming Dyke. Mm-hmm. I'm a lesbian who says it because. I can, and mm-hmm. I do. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. But also yeah. we've talked about Dyke. Like, I think Dyke in terms of other non-lesbians using it, right? Like, obviously if it's used in a homophobic yeah. way, yeah. like, you yeah. know. Right. <laughs> because that's homophobia. But when it comes to, like, events that have Dyke in it, I, I feel similarly t- about it in the way of, like, because you're talking, talking about this about, with like, like the Negro League or whatever. Exactly. Like, That's something what I was gonna say. The like if it's noun, in a proper noun, yeah. then whatever. Then you just say it. Yeah. You just say it. because I mean, even though dyke is a slur or whatever, the fact that it's like I'd say it's more like Negro coded as a slur than it is like the N word yeah. <laughs> as a slur. Yeah. You know, like yeah. if it is in a proper noun, like it can be said. Mm-hmm. If someone is passing me in a real aggressive mm-hmm. way of like dyke, I'd be like now okay. wait a minute yeah calm down. yeah 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 uh you need to calm down <laughs> but the dyke anthem yeah of <laughs> right no no it's it's similar to like i think it's, it's just interesting to see what we're because dyke is such a historically con- contextualized word the way that yeah. like negro is and yeah in, it because like it obviously emerged from but it's not like a respectable term either Right, because it's no. still a slur. But that's kind of what I like about it. Exactly, and <laughs> but and I think like also the word the way that dyke is used in a similar way that like w- like slut or bitch or whore is used mm. as just like a way to describe yeah. women who are non normative. Yeah. And I'm reading. Yeah. I was ta- I was telling you about this earlier. I was reading to you some excerpts of right wing women by. Andrea Dworkin and she talks about this and like the language the usage of these terms and and the way that they are because they're embedded into like the cultural lexicon of society it mm-hmm. sort of reifies anti-feminist values because of the way that it naturalizes women within like these positions as these roles like a woman can only be a bitch a slut a whore a dyke, like based off of mm-hmm. her relationship to men and how she treats men, essentially. Yeah. If she doesn't, yeah. or if she does, and I love to be all of the above. <laughs> like, and that's why. Like, and so I think that. But I also think, like, in the same way that people within their own community can't use these drugs. Like, uh, I I hate the idea of like, oh, girls don't call each other a bitch because then guys are gonna think that it's okay right. to call yeah. girls a bitch. It's like no. Guys are gonna call a girl bitch regardless or not mm-hmm. if someone else yeah. if, if if he hears it from someone yeah. else. Like yeah. I same with like I'm racial slurs as well. Like exactly. come on. Like, people are going like, to think people... and say these racist and misogynistic mm-hmm. and homophobic things regardless. 
And it's not the fault mm-hmm. of the marginalized communities yeah, yeah. that these systems right. exist. Like, and so the respectability like, politics oh, around it <laughs> yeah. of like, oh, don't say that in public. Because that's what like Lacey is saying that like their friend was like, oh, people don't don't say that in public. These people can hear you and they'll think poorly of us. It's like, who cares? Why people do, already why do care? why think do I want poorly people of people to think well? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I'm not out here fucking, oh, Please ask me about lesbian respectability. Like, no. Ask me about lesbian disrespectability. Actually. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Please, no. Like, oh, okay. And then with the pillow princess. Also, uh, a gay man saying don't say dyke because it makes us look bad. Who's the us in this situation? <laughs> Who's the we and the us in this situation? Like, it's so interesting because I think, like, slurs for gay men are used mm-hmm. against gay women quite often and historically has been that's been true probably mostly because men are going to face the epitome of like like queer men are going to face gender violence in a really extreme way from other men yeah in a really brutal way obviously very well documented and because it's a threat to like masculinity in a very particular way and it's also like something that Mm -hmm. you can just see constantly right like it's yeah. Like, a lot mo, a lot of... Men are cruel to each other. Men are very... Because men are the people who commit, like, violence. Like, yeah. and, you know, it's... But anyways, I was going to say, like, I think that um, it's just... Oh, with the... Uh, people... With the whole, like, saying slurs discourse in general, it's like, guys, we need to stop. We need to not... Like, can we move on? Oh, but, okay, as I was going to say, with the Pillow Princess High Femme thing, it's so fucking funny. Speaking of slurs, I'm talking about Pillow Princess and High Femme. No, because because mm-hmm. I think Lacey is saying here that um, the historical meaning of femme... Even some of the people that are correcting others about the historical meaning and saying they are feminine lesbians are wrong. The second part mostly happens mm-hmm. only with High Femme, but whatever. Because, like, obviously... Well, it, within a lesbian context, like, High Femme is sort of the... The way that femme is a response to and also a corresponding identity to butch, high femme is yeah. a corresponding identity to stone butch, and stone butch mm-hmm. obviously emerges from, like, the transmasculine identity of not wanting to be, like, touched or enacted upon mm-hmm. during sex. Also, top-bottom yeah. discourse, lover, beloved, as I have tweeted <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've been reading within the all, all these terms the femme butch desire uh, or the peasant desire a femme butch reader Joan Nestle, which I've been getting through. And so stone butch is about like not being enacted upon, usually emerging from like sexual and gender trauma. Duh. Mm-hmm. And high femme is the corresponding res- identity to that, in which it's like you don't enact anything upon the your sexual partner. Like, that's where the term pillow princess comes from, in which, like, you don't do anything, essentially, to the other person. Like, mm-hmm. generally. Like, this is, these are general we, we, statements. We get it. <laughs> general, yes. general statements, right? But the way that mm-hmm. people use the term high femme in particular, and the way people use the term femme in particular, very stupid. And, <laughs> yeah. like dumb and misappropriated. I, I tweeted this recently of like, wow, like I'm about to hit 10 years of thinking about my own gayness, right? Like this is something that has been like a major fucking theme in my life for 10 years. And I just don't understand how at this point in my life, things that I think are just natural conclusions and observations that truly anyone could 
research and come to after just living as a gay person for this long still have absolutely zero conception of lesbian history or lesbian etymology or just queer etymology at all and not only do they not have this knowledge they have absolutely zero motivation to correcting their own ignorance on this like obviously people go from the process of not knowing something to knowing something like no one is born with the fucking like dictionary and centuries like history like you don't come out and immediately just like know fucking everything but it's like if you're using language or if you're in the process of adopting language or understanding a term and an identity doing zero research or zero interest in finding out where it comes from to me is just so absurd yeah as like a position to take in one's own mm -hmm. life as like a grown adult yeah. like you are not yeah a child yeah like i mean and i also think like just be being a okay well, it's different because we're in the 21st century and not the 20th to the... It will... Well, no, well... Exactly. Yes, but I think within the 21st century, what what I mean is, like, because of how liberal, queer, assimilationist politics have played out, and because our communities are not as marginal to the point that we can have... To the point in which people are yelling at you no longer have to submit a formal application and be peer-reviewed and go through a series of interviews to be accepted which by the way should bring fucking back i guess because it's like i'm sorry why are we it's bullying like, a boy online into coming out like what the fuck is going on no, like, like, this is so unserious like, we're bullying people and we're, we're bullying bisexuals into coming out we're spray painting by fam we're bullying lesbians online for talking about girls who have boyfriends it's like we're like when people were facing real material homophobia they didn't have time on their hands for this shit and like no. i'm not saying that violent like, homophobia was good but at least it gave people it, something to think about that no. was real in the world right like, like now we what? have now we have pride flags on people's cop patches and shit mm -hmm. on NYPD. It's like, girl, in the... Leslie Feinberg No, Now we have was, cops and assless chaps. Like, what, happened to, what happened to reading? Like, what happened to the dykes and the and the transvestites putting up arms yeah. when, when, when the fucking cops beat down the fucking doors and it was time to throw down and start fighting for your literal fucking life before getting mm -hmm. thrown in jail for two days. Like, that was what was happening, okay? And that is where the cultures of, like, lesbian, trans, queer, etc., like, mm -hmm. like, communities and spaces emerge from. Pre-internet, pre-anything, like, you would go to the sh the bad part of town and go mm -hmm. into the bar like as a 14 year old 15 year old 16 year old you would be like oh my god i think i'm gay you go to the bars you're like okay does my hair look good like you know put it mm -hmm. <laughs> like you see all the butchers and the fans and you're like oh my god this is so crazy like <laughs> whoa like this is a whole world but it's like that's the thing like we're so removed from that in which now majority what people think of lesbians now are like, oh, just like two women together and it's normal, whatever. And that's great. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal. We know all of, we yeah. know a lot of people who are like that and that's great. Yeah. But what we lose in this with a, like the new generation of young people, especially on the internet, like people don't want to recognize how important these like roles are and these like mm -hmm. terms that, and, and 
are because of where they came from. Well, Sunny, don't you know that everyone before 2012 was a swerf and a turf and a... <laughs> <laughs> and so hashtag exclusionary and we're just gatekeepers and like we're so lame and problematic and hashtag canceled have, have you considered that have you considered the exclusionary nature of butch femme history and like bisexuals are actually reclaiming and redefining the language and the landscape anyway that was fun thank you Lacey next hot take the text of this is called queer safe spaces this is from B. <laughs> Okay. Hello, my name is B. she, they, lesbian, and I just recently got into your podcast, so if this is something you've covered before, you can just ignore this email. I have not read this email. I love how many people start this uh-huh. with being like, if you've covered this, don't <laughs> And we always still include the email. Like, we will still talk about it. I have been thinking a lot recently about the supposed safety of some queer spaces. I'm in high school and was recently outed to my sports team by a rumor that I was dating another girl on the team who was very mask-presenting. I had always thought that my teammates would be supportive if I ever come out to them. A couple of them did know, but only because I am very close with them. And I was in a bit of shock, and it was really scary, too. I'm also in a school GSA and would have thought that it would be a space... The safe space, too. But there have been talks of trying not to be too gay in order to keep the club's image respectable to the rest of the school and admin. Both of these instances have been very disheartening to me. Many people talk about the girls' sports as being so gay, and many female athletes are out, at least more than male athletes, that is. And GSAs are, in their very nature, are created to be a safe space for queer teens. So I'm wondering if this is a more broad issue within the community. I know a lot of gay bars within... But even more specifically, lesbian bars have gone out of business or been taken over by the straights TM. I was hoping you would have some insight on this with an emphasis with an emphasis on lesbian safe spaces. Thank you so much. Also, I want to say that I think Seven is the most lesbian Taylor Swift song, <laughs> and Reputation oh. is her most lesbian album. <laughs> Debatable, of course. So true, and we've talked about that oh at length. It's so yeah, true. yeah. That that the, those last bits we have talked about. The first of all, I want to say what is up with these gay kids being outed i mean yeah. my god is this the fucking 80s like grow <laughs> up people what like, the fuck? i'm sorry is this fucking written by who wrote who's the the ryan murphy gay? yeah ryan murphy is this a fucking glee plot i like how i didn't even say his name and you absolutely knew like i mean have we learned nothing from Kurt Hummel's many season storylines and all of this shit? I mean, like, oh my god, no! And I think like the 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 reputation, the hashtag reputation of girls sports teams being gay now oh, being yeah. more of like an open secret thing is so yeah. fucking funny <laughs> to have seen. To have I seen change over my lifetime. Yeah even mm-hmm. because I also remember in high school two of the girls on the soccer team were dating and it was like a, a big secret that I didn't know about until later or not even a secret like I think people knew mm-hmm. but it wasn't like a thing that people talked about but it's just like but the fact that the GSA was like guys we can't act too gay it's like what what type of GSA is this because my GSA was full of the yeah. catboys and the polyamorous uh pansexuals yeah. so what's going yeah. on like why have it's so weird what different space my like, GSA was full of like the bisexual boy that had the straight girlfriend and the gay boyfriend at the same time. <laughs> and the cat ears, of course. There were the cat ear gays. Especially there was the, the anime gays. Naruto running yeah. down the hallways <laughs> at 7 fucking a.m. Like, okay, some of us are just regular gays and not whatever. That, that's not related to sexuality. That's a different issue. But so, <laughs> that's just me. Um, God, that's so... No, and I think... Well, this is the other thing. It's like... As the liberal queer assimilationist politics 
have emerged. Like, okay, mm-hmm. so you met Natasha Leone and Abby Jacobson. Ah! I met yeah. Melinda Lowe, <laughs> who wrote Last yeah. Night at the Telegraph yeah. Club. Huge. Which we talked about on an episode in, like, season two or something. Like, fucking a mm-hmm. year ago. That's crazy. And that book is wow. such... That's a young adult lesbian book that actually represents butch femme dynamics in such a beautiful way. And it's very well mm-hmm. researched historically on a lot of fronts. Yeah. Like, she was talking about Not her... on communism. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was well researched on the anti-communist, like... Oh, yeah. Like, the Red Scare, because that's a huge plot point within the book, is, yeah. is how anti-communism is fueling the racism against our main character who is a Chinese American upper middle class femme lesbian and she her name is Lily and Lily is a senior in high school she's getting involved into like in like the gay bar scene in a lesbian mm-hmm. bar scene with this uh, the only other girl in her math class in her upper level math upper level math class who is like a baby butch and it's so mm-hmm. it's very adorable it's a very sweet They're romance so and like so Melinda Lowe is like talking about the, her whole research process on all of and like she shows us like a map of San Francisco Chinatown and like this is Russian mm-hmm. Hill where she lives and this is the different like she, like she had and she was talking about like going like reading these books and going into like the archives to listen to the tapes of the interviews of different people talking about different Chinese like performance and she okay so there is this there were these two women these Asian American women who were like, she was like, they were definitely like together. And this is why, because (laughs) Mm -hmm. in this one interview, someone mentioned offhandedly that there was this one female performer. And then in the footnotes of that said that it was through this like tape interview recording. And there's like a photo of these two women. You can see that they're holding hands under the table. And it's like all this table Mm. full of like Chinese people at this like club you can see these two women holding hands under the table and like the only there's only one line about lesbian Chinese women at this time there was only one line in this whole book about like this club scene and she goes into the footnotes of it oh so this was actually taken from an interview with this person in these archives she goes to like the library in San Francisco and gets like the actual (laughs) like tape recorded like interview and listens to it and like through that is able to sort of like connect the dots and is like yeah so they were deaf that was like definitely a thing because obviously so much of this history is like unrecorded particularly like for specific like marginalized communities and etc and like people who are essentially faceless or nameless faces in photos like she was like presenting to us and I think one of the questions that someone had asked during her talk was like why do you think that lesbian bars are like going out of business essentially all over and she was, like, talking about, she was like, oh, yeah, I lived in San Francisco for a while, and I lived right across the street, like, a couple blocks away was this one lesbian bar, but no one liked going there, because whenever you would go there, you would run into your exes, and it would be, like, a bad time. You had bad, <laughs> had bad vibes. And so she was like, but I think the reason why lesbian bars are closing and stuff is because of the fact that, it's because of the internet, and <laughs> because it can be, yeah. like, it's much more, it's much more easy to be gay in the open now like people can be openly Mm -hmm. queer in a way that you really couldn't be even like 10 15 20 years ago so it's because of that we no longer have to gather in these like at the edges of town in the dark of night in these really like Mm -hmm. seedy bars because starbucks has their fucking pride flag now essentially and it's like 
So it's one of those things, right? That's why I'm talking about like the the aesthetics of like queer liberal assimilationist assimilationist policies and cultural rhetoric because it does like result in like a larger cultural acceptance of these things sort of in some ways democratizes and also removes a lot of the context and destroys some of the spaces that these things like emerge from in the first place even like if we think about like ballroom culture but it's like become so yeah. much more of like a th- cultural thing that people understand and know about that like wasn't true five ten years ago even though it's been such a important part of like queer history for so long so yeah it's like one right so i think her saying that because essentially like as the internet has risen and people can like because before, like a lot of the firsthand experiences and essays and interviews in The Persistent Desire that I've been reading have been women who are like, I felt so alone and weird. And so I heard about this like gay bar and I was like, okay, well, let me go check it out because I had nowhere else to go. Mm-hmm. And this was the only place I could find community. So like yeah. within that context, when you had no other place to find community and the only place you could find community in any way was the Dyke Bar, now that we can find community online, (laughs) or now that it's so much more open, in a hashtag open in so many ways, like, the, this need or desire for those same types of, like, physical brick and mortar spaces have, has, has sort of evaporated as, you know, and it's like, it's sad, but it's part of how history like moves and stuff and even talking to i wish there could be like gay community online and have lesbian bars at the same time i think the fact that this was the trade-off is so like guys we can't because this is so bad i can't say that like queer community online didn't change my life like i would have been so miserably isolated and depressed had I have to come of age and like realize that I'm gay and what that means for me without online spaces. Like people knew in my life, especially once I came out that I was gay, but I wasn't talking about it with anyone and Mm -hmm. no one wanted to talk about it with me. No one, all of my friends were straight. I didn't want to talk about them. They wouldn't have gotten it. Mm -hmm. Like they would have thought that I was weird, not because they're trying to be homophobic, but because they just had, they Such didn't different experiences. Have gay interest, but also at the same time, I wouldn't have been able to sneak out to the gay bars <laughs> in like six and a seven. La Lily. Like, yeah, like I just I, that wouldn't have happened, or would have just been like way later in my life. And you know, I'm like in the sixties and seventies or whatever. There probably weren't fucking GSAs, so it's not like I would have gone to that space. And every single year of my high school, I tried to go to the GSA. And I, I, that was just not my scene. That was not my scene. It's not because I'm homophobic. It just wasn't, it just wasn't my crowd. So take from that what you will. So it's like, I still think that queer internet spaces are important and are an important outlet for a lot of young gay kids. But I think that it's like, this is also happening at a time where internet popularity or like the ubiquity of social media is leading to like media illiteracy and just illiteracy in general like we just have like a lot of evils working at once yeah and in terms of like looking at just like the lesbian community and like lesbian history specifically it's like 
this happening at the same time that gay like lesbian bars are shutting down and people aren't really understanding lesbian history it's just like it's all yeah coalescing yeah (laughs) you know i mean what's also been interesting in my reading of a lot of 90s like lesbian texts and anthologies and stuff is like something that sort of started emerging in like the 70s and 80s after dyke bar culture was really strong all the all throughout like the 20th century specifically Mm -hmm. through 40s 50s 60s and then like later on as well but in the 70s and 80s as the feminist movement was like you know, the third, the hashtag third wave was sort of emerging after mm-hmm. the civil rights movement and Vietnam War protest stuff. And Dworkin talks mm-hmm. about this as well. She talks about how a lot of the feminist organizing that emerged in the latter bit of the 20th century came from a reaction to the organizing spaces of the anti-war and civil rights movement where people were like, mm-hmm. okay, so we're hash- we're all hashtag hippies here, but you still treat mm-hmm. women terribly like you treat Mm -hmm. us as sexual objects and trading posts essentially and we're sick of it and also as like lesbian feminism became like more of a visible thing something that started happening and something that we can see even with like the combahee river collective a black Mm -hmm. lesbian radical feminist socialist collective that wrote their piece on identity politics that has another turn that has obviously been obfuscated (laughs) and rakes through the mud. It's not even... No. To try and begin. (laughs) Like, yeah. And that was even a thing that was happening like five to ten years ago, that the misusage of that term, of course. But so the thing is, is that that was like a book club. Like that was... Mm -hmm. So lesbian feminist book clubs became a really big thing in the 70s and 80s. Not in opposition to somewhat. Like they're... Different lesbians and different feminists have different sort of views on this, but sort of like as fembutch culture started being seen within lesbian feminist spaces by some people as like regressive or heterosexist or whatever, um, and femmes and butches were like, hmm, that's bullshit, that's stupid. And Joe Nessel, the editor of the fembutch reader, talks about like going to these, the Barnard like women's conference or something in like the 90s and being like, and like being so mad. She was like, I grew up in the 60s dyke bar culture like I was there like it was Mm -hmm. very like you know anyway so something that was talked about was like how the lesbian feminist like reading groups and circles and and like book clubs that came from that was in some ways a reaction to and emerged from the the dyke's bar scene and culture where it was like instead of the seedy underground like there's because there's a lot of like fights and and a lot of like prostitution going on um Mm -hmm. and a lot of like drug use and like you know no, there's no part of history that should be romanticized, of course. So yeah, this is just the reality of the situation. So people were sort of it was sort of like a an intellectual meets working class real history of this in a way as the feminist mm-hmm. uh, awakening and consciousness consciousness raising was was emerging. And I think like that is something that is really that I don't think people really like understand but anyways to to get to be one i'm sorry that you were outed yeah that's really awful yeah that's really awful and i'm sorry that your gsa is trying to not act too gay i say fuck respectability politics start when you're a teenager just <laughs> don't get into it i mean sure if you it you know learn how to comport or yeah comport yourself in different scenarios or you know whatever but a GSA shouldn't have to act. It shouldn't be worried about acting too gay. You're a GSA. And the fact that that doesn't feel like a safe... I mean, 
the thing is that does a safe space exist when assholes still exist? Like there's gonna be terrible people no matter. There's no way to to bar terrible people from entering any space, even if it's advertised. Yeah. Look as at a, the internet, quote unquote, safe space. <laughs> exactly for for gay people so it's like you know that's awful i hope that things get better i hope that you know this outing doesn't end up with like bullying even though you said that not everyone was supportive but yeah fuck them i mean trust me once you graduate it won't matter yeah <laughs> yeah our next hot take says hey sunny and renaissance my name is millie I'm a 19-year-old black lesbian in university and a Swifty through Gaylorism. I found a Gaylor tweet that's hilarious and accidentally gay, just like Taylor. Also, Sunny, I love your booktube channel. All of your recommendations are so, so good. As y'all probably know, the ties have changed on TikTok, and people are realizing that y'all were right about biphobia being immaterial, <laughs> at least in the way it's used by cis bi women to complain about their lack of internal validation when a lesbian you know exists. Also, I follow y'all on Twitter, and I just got tagged in a you have 24 hours to unfollow thread, so I had a good laugh about that. It's so ridiculous, because what you said, Sunny, was funny and kind of true, but people love to bandwagon and hate y'all, and, like, they they did to Jesus because he spoke real. I'll insert the screenshot. I'm not unfollowing y'all either, LOL, so if this escalates any further, I'll know that I'm on the right side of history as a son of the Laughter Menace podcast. Love y'all so much. <laughs> Thank you, Millie. Oh, and it's someone caught retweeting my. Oh, this tweet has caused so much hell for no reason, and it's just (laughs) so fucking funny to me. The um, sometimes straight women are just way cooler than bi girls with boyfriends, but you know what? I didn't even say that. Like I said, sometimes, and then I I started it with sometimes and ended it with, but Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't even say that. So why are you coming for me when when I already said anyway? But. You know, they, they read what they want to read. And so the person who co-retweeted is, why do y'all still follow this loser? Quick. Queer people haven't had a serious conversation since the 2010s. Anyways, ah, 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 ah. Can y'all unfollow because this is not their first offense, lol. Okay. Oh, and the other Whatever. tweet was accidentally Gaylor. Mm-hmm. And it was a co-retweet on the night that Taylor announced, uh, wait, no, no, no. Yeah, announced Midnight's, right, in her, yeah, in her sparkling dress. Yeah, on the dress. VMAs. And it's, Taylor didn't just show up, she ate the carpet accidentally <laughs> real please getting cancelled over saying that sometimes straight women are cooler than bi girls with boyfriends like that's just so funny like I can't believe this it- is what's getting my ass at this very moment you would not be hollering if you were not the hit dog in question oh real but also it's like obviously I clocked into my sunny defense hours or whatever oh and exactly. it's like it doesn't even in one of my tweets, I was like, regardless of anyone's identity, if you center men, lesbians are probably not going to fuck with you. And then, like, one of the quote retweets, of course, was like, why would you say this when talking about bi women? Did I not say regardless of anyone's... I, like, it doesn't... Like, if you can't engage with a joke tweet or whatever, or if you cannot read properly, right. then it's like... Why are you making your illiteracy why- my problem? Yeah, like, literally, why are you making this my issue when that's not what anyone said? And, I mean, now at this point, you getting canceled by myself. Like, this used to require, like, us on the clock, 72 hours, CNN no, news cycle. at this point, I just mute and move on. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? I don't. It's, it, at, the, at this point, with the number of episodes we have under our belt, 
Yeah. Listen. No. Like, if you I'm don't, saying. I would if you don't know the lore. Say, come on now. Come on. You got to catch up if exactly. you don't know already. If you know you don't. And honestly, at this point, if you're saying a quote unquote biphobic tweet and it's from you and you don't know the lore and the branding already. No, literally. That's on you. Like, Oomph that's on your lack was of literally, history knowledge. Literally. Oomph was literally like, I can't believe people are getting mad at Sunny for quote unquote biphobia for being a mean lesbian when their whole internet presence is them being a mean lesbian. Like, what? Like, you found a fork in the kitchen, it, as Renaissance like, would say. Like. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally. Like, it's like, I just don't understand how this is. And someone was like, oh, can you, like, can you, can you please stop talking about the bisexual? Blah, 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 no, because look at, look, look at you all up in my business all the fucking time. You've made this oh. my problem for the past two years. So I'm not going to stop talking yeah. about this because it's funny to me. You've already made me the face <laughs> of the big mean lesbian who hates bisexuals. So I'm going to embrace mm -hmm. it. I don't care. Yeah. Lean into it. It's, it's camp at this point, but also literally camp like, as fuck. Block if you don't want like if this if this is truly bothering you. One, you're not a follower, so it's like why is this ending up on your timeline? And two, is the block button not free? The people who giggle at our jokes giggle at our jokes, and if you yeah. don't want to move on, like yeah. move on with your life. It's like actually not hashtag harmful in a way that pe the jokes that I see in my timeline that are overtly like misogynistic or whatever are but that that that, that but mm. even when people like those tweets or follow those people I'm not like unfollow now or else I will block you it's like it's just not that yeah. serious most of the time I can have my criticism or whatever but this is the internet mm. like can we please anyway but regardless we already we already hashtag speak it's our like, truth. The revolution will not be televised, but it will be misinterpreted on a series of tweets <laughs> like <laughs> tagging real. me and Sunny. Like. Anyways, this is an email from Liz that says, "Hi Renaissance and Sunny, my name is Liz. She they. I'm a 21 year old autistic Butch Dyke communist Swifty, also gayer <laughs> conspiracy." Guys, the way Amazing. everyone opens with this, I'm yep. cracking the fuck up. Please. I'm I love every every opening sentence is name, usually pronouns, <laughs> some sort of like age or school marker, and then a string of just like identities, yeah, just like Gaylor, off lesbian, the top. Communist, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right, you know, right, right, right. but yeah. It's also nice to know that we are truly hitting our target demographic every single time. For real. Time. Every <laughs> single time. <laughs> like, I think anyone who is a dark, it's dark, dyke communist, like, Gaylor Swifty listens to the pop. Like, it's a small community, <laughs> but that specific community, we have. We have unlocked. Locked down. I love mm -hmm. when people are like, no one Anyways. even listens to your podcast. It's like, oh, so you don't have any people in your life who are like this. And that's... That just means that you don't know any interesting motherfuckers. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you don't know any no, fucking I bitches. think our demographic is definitely the most interesting <laughs> demographic and listenership to have ever. And I'm not even, I'm not even trying to blow smoke up my own ass. I just think that, like, l like read the intro sentences of our emails. Yeah, cool We're people laughing. listen to us. We're having fun. Like, it, it's a party over here, so... Anyways, and a devout listener to your podcast. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. I have lots of hot takes to share, but I'll limit this email to one or two. The first, which I don't think is a very hot take, is that I think that being a dyke slash lesbian can be really isolating. Hashtag mm -hmm. real. With the, the email doesn't say hashtag real. I'm saying hashtag <laughs> real. <laughs> 
With the world revolving around what men want, it's hard to be someone who's not attracted to them or really who doesn't care about what they think. I love my other friends who love men, but like I wish I had more dyke friends. Mm -hmm. When I'm in a group with them and all I hear about is the last men they had sex with or what bland vanilla man they're talking to on Tinder, I just want to pull my hair out. Mm. If a friend is talking about their long-term relationship with a man or asking for advice, I'm usually more accommodating. But centering men in everything just really bores the shit out of me. How do you guys avoid silly conversations about men? I mean, meaningless conversations about boring Tinder guys and stuff like that. Like, can we talk about anything else? Under communism, every dyke should be assigned a group of other dykes to be friends with. And that's the communism that Sunny and I are actively making. (laughs) Please. Second take. I believe you guys mentioned this in an episode about historical lesbians being autistic. And like, someone needs to study this. Why aren't we talking about (laughs) historical autistic dykes? They're very important to me. For example, I recently watched a film, Ammonite. Oh. And Kate Winslet's character is so autistic coded. The film itself was kind of lacking, but autistic dykes like myself stay winning. Beside those not-so-hot takes, I'd like to give you guys some film-slash-TV recommendations that I've watched recently. OMG. The Incredible True Adventure of Two Girls in Love. Okay, the way this was recommended to me by another friend when I was telling him about, like, oh, I want to do, I'm I'm researching femme butch history, culture, and contemporary Mm -hmm. context, and he was like, you need to watch this. <laughs> I've, I've gotten this recommendation at least like three or four other times. And it's like, okay, guys, I, I, I'll watch it. I'll mm-hmm. bite. 90s sweet teenage love story. Sorry, Renaissance. I know you hate teenagers. Uh, well, this is this is a devout listener. <laughs> if they're including my hatred for teenagers. Wow, that's so real. Bad Sisters. I've also needed to watch this. Apple TV. Five Irish Sisters. This has Sharon uh, Harrigan, who's in... What's the show that we watch with Noor? That has Ashling B. This way up. This way up. Anyway, she's in that as well. Um, who plot to kill their abusive shitty brother-in-law. Cool lesbian character with an eye patch. And can you forgive me? Melissa McCarthy is an overlooked writer who forges important literary ephemera, letters, etc. Women who commit crimes, lesbians, cats, 90s New York City. Anyways, thanks for the pod, hot takes, media review, and more. My best, Liz. Thank you, Liz. Thank you. Thank you. No, like, someone needs to do a thesis, a PhD, uh, write a book on autistic lesbian Mm -hmm. history. Like, it's so true, I fear. I I feel like doing autistic lesbians is kind of like how people tried to study autism in cats, but they found that all cats had (laughs) autism. You know, like, they couldn't (laughs) find a autistic baseline. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like... Again, I'm not I'm not trying to say that every single lesbian has autism because Ellen DeGeneres does exist. But <laughs> I think that, like, she's autistic in that she she fits the stereotype of autistic people being soulless and <laughs> <laughs> No, it's 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 dark days, dark dark days. I think there's also just a way that autism manifests for, like when you are already outside of social norms in the way that like lesbians are. And how it, like, reflects in our relationships to each other, I think. I mean, listen, I I could talk about this forever. I've read a fair amount of, like, disability theory and not theory, but, like, stuff that sort of is not arguing, but sort of posits or or thinks about, obviously, the social categories of madness or or Mm -hmm. 
categories of like psychological or personality disorders, quote unquote, and sort of mm-hmm. the ways that they operate under any given social context or like, you know, given societies, etc. Because obviously, like when you consider or when you pathologize or study on a, on a medicalization level, the nature of individuals and, and humans in our relationships with other people, like that's fundamentally deeply related to how human relations at large and, and society works in general, you know? It's like one and of those... And how are they perceived and who's perceived mm-hmm. as breaking those, you know, what's it seen as outside, yeah. you know? And of course there are things that are the material, real, and like genetic and actual material Mm -hmm. elements of what makes people like different but then of course there's the socially organized categories of what makes people different and this goes across Mm -hmm. race and gender and everything else and and of course like disability and perceptions of like personality and the way that people interact with each other so I think it makes sense that a lot of people who are like neurodivergent in one way or the other are also find themselves under the LGBT umbrella in a similar mm-hmm. way that like even there's a lot of not documented but there's there's like extensive amounts of literature and media and research about like substance use and various marginalized communities yeah. and also within like LGBT communities like I think the, the intersections at which people who use and consume like drugs or use and consume or like interact with people and how they perceive themselves like when you interrogate those things and when you interrogate like the medical industry at large and pharmaceuticals and how pharmaceuticals are used it's important that people are individuals in their own right because that's one of the important things that like something that Dworkin is sort of emphasizing in one of the chapters in right-wing women is like hashtag women are people too or like equality of the sexes or whatever (laughs) is what feminism Mm -hmm. gets boiled down to constantly but the reality is is that under patriarchy and part of feminist logics is fighting for a world in which like women are seen as like individual human persons in a way that we currently are not because obviously like people are not we're not seen as like people we're seen as like women you know and Mm -hmm. I think like being able to assert your individuality and your personhood in that way is really important. But also the fact of the matter of we are not like atomized as people and your individual diagnoses or labels or understandings of yourself in a medical or other labeled context isn't just a way of understanding like yourself and like your relationships to the world and how you can better regulate like how you interact with the world but rather itself like socially formulated categories I just don't think I feel like a lot of people don't really want to apply that logic to like mental health and disability in a way that people are more apt to do for race and gender now because it's like there's an idea that medicine and science are like material real facts that just are immutable but that was that's also the same logic that was used to prove women and black people Mm -hmm. and jewish peoples etc 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 inferiority so it's like uh, medical context and whatever are constantly shifting and changing and are also deeply informed by the by the social realities of that given like 
time and space. So anyway, that was just something that this made me think about. Uh, well, actually, <laughs> one thing that I think is would make studying about autistic lesbians, like, obviously, there have been so many of us and we've existed, like, like, this type of brain has existed for a long time. But also, like, the reason why it'd be even more difficult, one is because, like, lesbianism and what is considered homoerotic between women has changed so much even within the past, like, 200 years that, one, trying to delineate what's a homoerotic relationship or what's an intimate what relationship What defines a lesbian, quote-unquote, Yeah, is. versus yeah. what is a lesbian, which is talked about a lot on the Lesbian Historic Motif podcast um, that I listen to a lot and how, like even though it is a lesbian motif podcast and they're looking at not only fiction but also real lesbians of history, it's like you have to place this in the context of what would have been seen as normal intimacy between women Mm -hmm. at the time versus what we Mm -hmm. consider then. Like at the time writing very passionate love letters to each other, expressing desire to like spend the rest of their lives with each other, even like kissing and sharing beds. Like two straight girls would have been doing that and to uh-huh. a certain extent it would have been seen as like normal and actually healthy and encouraged um mm-hmm. without that necessarily being lesbianism even if those same behaviors we'd look at today and be like oh that is lesbian behavior that makes looking at historic lesbianism difficult in that sense not impossible but just difficult and then also i've been reading um a lot across the um 19th century so a lot of works from the 1800s and towards the end of the 1800s at least in like French literature with fin de siècle it's like which is decadent but also like hysteria was like the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh the and diagnosis like water cures of the day. and whatever yeah. yeah but like like any any woman for basically any reason would have been diagnosed with hysteria whether that's she wanted to divorce her husband to actually being schizophrenic to you know being autistic to yeah and obviously we have like the yellow wallpaper and and so many pieces of media and stuff delineating across the 18th and 19th and 20th centuries the way that the medicalization of women's bodies and mental health has been used to control women and keep them out of the public sphere so Yeah. yeah So it's like, and, you know, again, talking about, like, the social nature and the social delineation of, like, neurodivergency or mental health or whatever. Like, even that language is so contemporary that having the skill and the apt and the nuance to be able to cross-culturally, like, cross-temporally translate that into what that would have meant or looked like at, at any time period or any given culture, it's like, if, if there was a way for this to be done well, yes, I want to read it. If I could look back in time and be like, yes, 1000%, Ann Lister was an autistic lesbian, right? Despite all of her other flaws, she's just like the first person that came to mind. Right. She had other issues. And like read about how exactly she was an autistic lesbian. That would clearly be very compelling. I'm not sure how that happened. Now, does that mean that I watch a league of their own and I'm like, that's an autistic lesbian? That's an autistic lesbian? Yes, I do do that because I can't. And they're fictional characters and right. the way that they're presented, I'm like, I see that. I, I see it. Like Carson Shaw, 
1000%. But also I think another part, hashtag segue, is like the social isolation that comes from being autistic feels very similar to the social isolation that comes from being a lesbian. And when you experience both of those forms of social isolation at the same time, it's like, wow, kind of getting double whacked. Like you're not included because you don't want to talk about men. And you're also not included because like people are just ableist towards autistic people. <laughs> like, like it's just kind of like, it's that's not condoning it or like justifying it. Like that's just the fact of the world. Like a lot of autistic people can talk about that experience. I don't know why hashtag vulnerability on the pod, but like really recently I've just noticed that it's like most of the friends that I've made in my adult life at this point are gay or like gay and trans or whatever like people who uh, that are like our listeners butch dyke communist gaylers in that demographic yeah but they're all like long distance and like the people that i really interact with like day to day people who actually like see me out in the world are like not gay and are not a part of that half of my life at all and there are like sometimes when it's like really isolating and I have to remember that I do have gay friends and sometimes I feel like I have so I do have a lot of gay friends and then like a really gay opportunity will happen like near me in person like going to the Abby Jacobson and Natasha mm-hmm. Leone thing and I was like I don't have any like it's so crazy to me that I literally talk to so many gay people all the time they're probably the people who know me you know best but I don't get to hang out with them in real life. And Mm -hmm. even though there's a number of reasons of why I probably would have gone alone and that I really am grateful that I went to that event alone, like in the time period of like getting the tickets and before I went, and this isn't to be like, oh, boo-hoo, I went to a really cool event in Hollywood. Like, look at how sad I am. Um, Because obviously it was like an amazing just happenstance opportunity that I had. But I really, I was just like, oh, like, I'm the only like dyke dyke that I know and I interact with like in person. But like what pulls me out of that obviously is like online community and the friendships that I do have. And I don't mean like online community in like an anonymous way. It's just like, it's literally like in the way that Sunny and I are like long distance besties, you know? It's like our friendship is like very real. And when we visit each other, like we are real friends. Like Sunny's not a hashtag internet friend, but- The reality of our lives is that we are long distance and most of the year we are apart. So it's like, it's it's this weird like double life to live that is like if I didn't have the internet, like if I only could talk, only had access to the people that I lived with, like I would be so fucking isolated. And it's thank God to the podcast and to the people that I've met, you know, elsewhere that I have lesbian friends. But it's like, Ugh, whatever. In terms of, like, combating that, I just don't really talk about, like, I just don't engage in conversations with men. And I think it's also because I'm really active in conversations. It's like, I ask women (laughs) in my life, like, their thoughts on things. (laughs) You know, like, we just talk about other things. and And I approach them as human beings who have complex lives and thoughts. And when I like people, I want to know their thoughts and I want to know how they are. And if I ask someone like, oh, how are you? And then they go into talking about some guy that they're talking about. I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. But like, how are you though? <laughs> how are your classes? Um, 
do you have anything going on? Like I, um, someone who quote tweeted Sunny over the biphobia allegations was like, straight women are seen as women, but bi women are seen oh as extensions God, of men that or whatever. The fucking and, Israeli, anar- Israeli anarchist. Yeah. Please get real. Exactly. But I retweeted her and was like, actually, no, all women are seen as extensions of men. And like lesbians, like by and large, are the only people who approach women as like not extensions of men. Mm-hmm. And something that I take quite hashtag seriously is like, also me as a lesbian that they get to interact with in real life is like reminding them that they're not extensions of men and and like explicitly and intentionally treating them as full human beings so that these straight women or these women who do interact with men have someone in their life who doesn't fucking see them as an extension of men so that they have a space to talk about other things that they have a space to not be berated about their romantic and sexual lives because I don't really give a fuck about that. Sure, there are some women who don't fuck with talking about, with talking to people who don't want to talk about men. And that's fine. Then, you know, we're just people who don't click. I'm also quite vocal on that. I think talking about men is boring. So like, if it gets that, I'm like, I'm not encouraging. I'm not pretending to enjoy a conversation that I'm not. I'll ask to change the topic of conversation or I'll just do it myself. I'm like, how do I avoid silly conversations? Um, I just changed the topic <laughs> or I'm yeah. like, that's stupid. I, I talk down about men a lot in straight women's presence or people who fuck with men because someone should, someone should. To Someone's got to talk them down to... when they don't ever do get that, get that treatment anywhere else. Come on. Exactly. So it's like, you know, you just like, if you're a lesbian and you just like be a lesbian, then it's like, I don't know. <laughs> just be a lesbian. But yeah. Yeah, that's that's my that's my response. How how do you? So avoid- I've been really lucky in that I've been, I've been in spaces where, like in real life and also online, I've just happened to be around a lot of like, queer women and lesbians, and mm-hmm. and also like have intentionally chosen spaces where that is the case, and it's it's such a blessing and i think everyone really needs it and that's why i try to make mm-hmm. all my lesbian friends i try to make all my lesbians who i know friends with each other because that's very <laughs> and you do and you i do i try to and a tight ship i mean that's how i met because like literally quarantine happened we were friends and you pulled at the time your uh, the lesbian friends that you had all in one group chat together <laughs> and like yeah. that's what essentially like kicked off me having lesbian friends that weren't like stan twitter friends because even now like both my online relationships that are not stan twitter relation related and stan twitter relations all of those spheres like predominantly like 70 plus percent lesbians it is only in the hashtag touching grass aspect of my life i'm crying where i'm the only lesbian which is so wild because then I talk about this with the straight people in my life. And I'm like, guys, there are a lot of lesbians in the world. and But they, like, I can see in their face that they don't believe, like, they think that I'm the only lesbian in the world. And it's like... Oh, my God. I cannot even so, imagine and, that. And like, and, like, they think that I'm the only one who, like, has my interests in the way that I do. Like, in terms of, like, film and talking about shit and, like, language and literature. Like... They think that I'm like, oh, that's like Renaissance is the only one who like 
that like like that's like renaissance things and it's like in a way it's like oh i'm happy that i'm being respect or not it's definitely not respect but like i'm being associated with these like you're recognized as such as what you are yeah exactly but it's just so weird to think that people think that i'm like this niche rare (laughs) like a rare specimen in the field yeah when it's like in in a way I am cuz like in the greater structure of the world, yeah. <laughs> but right. Not 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 in the way that like if you literally know more than like five lesbians, I'm like not really. Yeah, no. It's it's like cuz I think in high school and even now like a lot of people that I know are and a lot of my friends and people I interact with are like bi women who do like fuck with men and whatever, but also have had like long term or sort of, like, legitimate, extensive relationships or, like, are in community with lesbians in a real way Mm -hmm. that makes them not on the biphobia train. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, I think, like, being friends IRL with, like, other lesbians, because even, and, and, like, again, I think I'm very hashtag uniquely hashtag blessed because (laughs) even, like, because Paris, who, like, goes to a liberal arts college and is mm-hmm. always complaining about the lack of lesbians and stuff in her life and in her communities. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's so true. The fucking... It, it sucks to be in supposedly very queer spaces or in spaces with other women. And it's still very, like, male-centered or just, like, not lesbian-centered. Like, there's... like, mm-hmm. And it's so unfortunate. And I do think that the brick and mortar real life like lesbian exclusive gate hashtag gatekeeping community type shit is it's it's very important and I I think everyone deserves and needs it and that's why mm-hmm. I am always trying to connect people and also always mm-hmm. trying to bring to life the hashtag lesbian history and in, in, in the real ways that mm-hmm. it actually affects people's lives because what's interesting is like something about reading all this and researching this and, you know, talking to my friends and stuff about this is, like, the the butch femme dynamic is something that is, like, so, like, intrinsic. Like, me and my other, like, my, like, my, my femme friends, mm-hmm. like, and we're talking about, like, our dating histories and who we're talking to and whatever, and it's, like, yeah, it's, like, we're, we're talking about all the different mask situationships that have been going on, <laughs> and, like, that's real as fuck, because that is mm-hmm. the, that is, like, it's, like, when your friend turns to you, it's like, oh, you get it. Because you're also, like, fed for mm-hmm. Like, you're also, like, almost exclusively into masks. Like, you get it. Like, and it's like, exactly. Because that, having that experience is why the the dyke bars and shit were, like, a thing. And, like, that's why mm-hmm. even within this, you know, liberal assimilationist, liber- like, fucking post-queer internet space that we live in, pe- like, mm-hmm. we need... we need people to see how the way that people live out their lives in history is within the continuum of the histories of these things. It's so unfortunate that so many lesbians are no longer in community with other lesbians. And I mean no longer because even in talking with 
like Paris's like moms when they were talking mm-hmm. about being like lesbians in Seattle together in like their early thirties and like late twenties and whatever. They're like, oh yeah, there's like the street with all the lesbian bars, and me and I, us and our friends would go to like the Katie Lang concert, and we would also mm-hmm. we would like go from one bar to the other. And do you remember that one place? And like I ran this theater group and whatever, and it was like all of people's like lesbian friends, and it's like we need that. We hashtag need that so bad. Like, because now yeah. that type of shit is all like, oh, queer women, sapphics, LGBT, inclusive, like, GSA, sp- like, The Instagram bruh. ads for the sapphic book club brand for a with a boyfriend. Bruh. Bruh. I just, Anyways. I can't. Anyways. <laughs> We're not... Listen, we just got past the, the right, right, previous 72-hour right, right. cycle. <laughs> And I think that 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 tweet, I think you tweeted about it and even got some wax for that as well. Yeah, no, being being a lesbian um, is probably one of the hardest things. <laughs> Not the hardest, but it's up there. It's yeah. definitely up there. Hopefully, like, listen, my this lesbian isolation is is not from not trying okay I, I walk up to people i'm like what's the one children's book about like are you my mom like are you a lesbian are you a lesbian <laughs> like oh going up to everyone that i see um but it's also the thing is like just also being a lesbian doesn't mean that you're immediately going to like hit it off so it's like i still want to be in spaces that i'm like already interested in for like non-lesbian reasons and then i'm hoping that other lesbians are also interested yeah in these same things because at, at the end of the day I too have my interests and my hyperfixations that I want to talk about from a lesbian perspective. And that doesn't mean that everyone's going to be interested in those things. It's like, that was like most of my life. Is this like, well, do I either not hang out with my childhood friends who know me the best and know me very well and that I love in order to talk to gay people who watch shows and <laughs> behave in ways that I don't yeah. relate to but I just happen to know that they're also gay it's like mm, I usually pick my other interests and then use like online spaces or long distance friendships that I have to as like a form of expression or yeah yeah a channel for those things yeah and for yeah. me it's been more it's been for, for me it's been more of like a one and the same thing but it's also created its own sort of like issues that of like being around other like queer women or you know gay people but who just like are not gay in the same way because even Mm -hmm. you know like bi women with boyfriends the the gsa girls i hung out with in high school essentially and we all Mm -hmm. knew we were like gay and we are all out about it at least with each other in a really it it was like very clear and to everyone else at our school it was like yeah like that's just that's just they're just gay and even among other lesbians and stuff it's like specifically being like femme and specifically being like femme for butch is also it's like when you understand the more you understand about yourself the more and the more you understand how you figure into community the more isolating it is when you know or when the actual formations of community that were once there or like could be there aren't there yeah and yeah i think also with the potential shutdown of twitter people were talking about this they were like oh my god like that was that was such a dark day <laughs> I, don't, no. I don't even want to like because people were like i, I met I like even... so, right because people you that's like for real people finding community and understanding themselves yeah. in a way that in no other context could you really 
Because really, where else, like, you know what I mean? Like, where else were you gonna mm-hmm. go to, to try to find that about yourself? So anyways, but those are the hot takes. We've been talking for, like, in two hours? <laughs> Listen, we had a lot of, of bookkeeping to do. We had a lot of office, some shop talk. No, because we haven't we done hot takes in a bit, in a hot minute. Like, but these are all, been, like, emails from the past, been, like, has bumped 10 days. and pushed many agenda items. So, 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 literally. like, literally she'd do something and it was like, okay, everyone to the back of the line again. Oh, Le- right. 3 a.m. edition, back of the line. Oh, but right. it's... Anyway, time to talk about Girls Can Kiss Now, the Jill Gutowitz essay collection. It's also in the humor category for the Goodreads Choice Award nominations for 2022, uh, which is fun and exciting, and I hope it wins, even though it might not, because, of course, lesbians can never win. Uh, The number of times that I literally... LOL. Like, (laughs) like multiple times on a page, I was LOLing reading this, and... Just off off the top, talking about this collection of essays, one thing that I will say is, like, this is finally a book made for, or, like, essays made for pop culture-obsessed lesbians on Twitter. Yep. Like, to yep. read this properly, yep. you have to have been on Twitter for at least the past five years. Yep. Like, you yep. can read it and enjoy it, I'm sure. Yeah. But the jokes aren't going to hit the yeah. same. You're not going to no, get the yeah. intonation. When I was You're not going to get the vibe. I was like... No, she is such a Twitter lesbian. Like, I'm obsessed. Yeah. Like, please. And, like, I think, well, I think we've talked about before. And I recommended this on one of our episodes. Like, this was one of my media recommendations. Like, everyone read Girls Can Kiss. Yeah. I remember saying, like, I followed, I have followed Jill Gutowitz on Twitter for a a very long time. Yeah. And have just, like, seen her tweets in, in the Twitterverse, like, on my timeline for a very long time. So... To be able to read her thoughts in, like, long form. Like, this is for people who love Twitter but are also literate. You know, like, not everyone. (laughs) Like, like, people who are attracted to, like, text-based platforms. Like, Mm -hmm. the ones who are attracted to Twitter Mm -hmm. because of, like, because they like essays. It's like, this is the book for you. Where, like, if you're smart but, like, funny Twitter. Like, this is it. Which obviously I'm that fucking bitch to a T. Right, that so demographic. This down. Yeah, and she's like this. one of one of the mothers of like MILF Twitter in terms of like yes, yes, yes. So, and she taught like and she goes to into see it, it printed yeah. her thirsting over Rachel Vice yeah. and the way that I thirst over Rachel yeah. Vice in like published text. I was like, <laughs> you know, what? I get why Mormons are convinced that they have the third book of the Bible because right. if someone knocked on my door and was like, "Have you heard?" <laughs> About the American prophet Joe Gutowitz. <laughs> Listen, I might, I might be sipping that tea. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I get it. Uh, I get it. Well, the reason why the title of the book is Girls Can Kiss Now is because she's talking about how throughout the early 2000s, 2010s to now, the rise of like lesbian media and the proliferation of it in the mainstream becomes more and more of a thing that like can happen because previously like she talks about growing up in like the 90s and like not seeing any of that representation and thus having that sense of isolation and actually like not even understanding that part of herself until she was in her like mid-20s where she talks about dating a series of like random interchangeable men and then finally after an intense homoerotic friendship 
<laughs> being yeah. like, no, I'm yeah. gay. Yeah. <laughs> that was those those essays when well, okay, because there's like there's like the first one in LA that's that rocked. That was like. It was almost like her Diana Agron. I think her Carly Kloss came mm-hmm. later, mm-hmm. which was a. I think I think her Carly Kloss was the girl that she actually dated. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've her, all been there. Her girl. homoerotic, <laughs> her homoerotic friendship, the really big one that rocked her. But in a way that it's just like so fucking real. Like one thing that yeah. I just as a reader, and I think really in her later essays that I really appreciate is just like her complete vulnerability in her writing and her almost like unapologetic nature, both in some of the really personal things that she shares in her essays, but Mm -hmm. also as a lesbian, not taking the time to explain, (laughs) to explain to like a straight readership. Mm -hmm. Like it was so affirming and so fun for me as a lesbian, a, a hashtag lesbian on Twitter to read this and have her mention or like name drop something that I knew exactly what she was talking about and her being like if this doesn't make sense I'm not gonna take the time to explain it Mm -hmm. like and literally say that to a reader and being Mm -hmm. like if you're straight this isn't for you like just just Mm -hmm. just accept this as true so we can move on so I can get to the point that I'm trying to make yeah no and exactly when I was reading it I was was like yeah this is you're speaking a language that I speak because I am tapped into this shit so Jill Gutowitz is 30. Um, so there's like about like a, a ten give, give her more 10 year age gap between her lesbian slay. Her. Yeah. Yeah. Her lesbian slay. But also it was just so interesting seeing her reference pop culture moments that I also lived like once we hit mm-hmm. about the 2010s mm-hmm. when she was in college, I was like, oh, I remember this. And even this the stuff about Lindsay Lohan and Britney Spears. I remember reading that. Like, I remember in 2007 seeing the People covers with Britney Spears, like, having a breakdown. I remember seeing the headlines about Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan and, you know, all of those and Lindsay Lohan's gay era and all of that. But, I mean, and obviously I was younger. Like, I just had a different understanding because I was, like, 10. You know, she was a freshman in high school or in middle school and I was in elementary school. Yeah. But... Seeing moments that I also lived through before I knew I was gay, just growing up in the same time period, and then now also being hashtag adult lesbian on Twitter and seeing her write about it was just like, she is speaking in, like you said, like a language that I also speak in a way that is like written by lesbians for lesbians about the things that we find interesting and in such an unapologetic nature that's also very funny like the stereotype that lesbians are not funny hello hard hard proof yeah that is not the case some of the conclusions that she comes to about pop culture like this isn't a a marxist takedown (laughs) yeah (laughs) pop culture feminism or anything like that but she's definitely not blind to the structures that make celebrity like she's not talking about celebrity as a biological inevitability of the people who become celebrities. And she's not even framing her own interest as something that's like inherent to human nature. Like she understands that she's being fed the things that she's being fed. She just eats it up and like same, you know? So I think that also is what makes this so readable. It's like, it's not, 
it's not like not political because she's obtuse or because yeah. she's not intelligent or because she has bad politics, but because what we're talking about is, pop is culture essentially and like the media spectacle. Is pop culture. Yeah. And like, what does it mean to grow up as a lesbian who loves pop? pop culture um that was wildly misogynistic and lesbophobic for the first two decades of your life you know or two and a half decades of your life yeah and she talks about sort of like how disorienting it is for her even as like a young person seeing young people grow up in a media landscape in which girls can kiss now like in which you as a 12 13 14 year old can go on any major streaming platform and watch lesbian media in a way that like just simply did not exist for her and for her to be like writing this sort of like uh, like a lesbian anthology of essays about media and pop culture giving us her perspective on like and her context on all of her personal experiences and what's framing, what's her frame of reference for her, these things. It's just like, it, it it has that intimacy and joy to it that I think is so compelling. And her chapter where she talks about her sexual assault and her experience with being in like toxic, toxic and abusive relationships where it was like, it genuinely like made me cry. Like the essay collection has so much like earnestness to it as well as the obviously like the pop culture analysis and like humor to it because that's what it ultimately is and I also think like uh, sort of the way the 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 feminist angle and understanding like Hollywood as the spectacle that it is while still sort of like still loving it and still eating it up is so fun because that's also exactly what we do and like (laughs) I think I mean, I really enjoy... That's the whole fucking point of this. <laughs> like, come on now. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, we are the people in question that she is talking about. Because, yes, I did watch, yeah. at the age of 12, a Celine Siama movie that made me question my whole life. Like, you know, like, that is... Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's interesting because I think we have such an interesting perspective where our coming of age is, like parallels the girls can kiss now things it's like when i was first starting to question my sexuality back in 2012 it was just as horrific as she is depicting the 2012 lesbian and you know growing up as a kid i didn't think that when i was 21 i would have the breadth of lesbian media that i did like i didn't foresee this for myself exactly and then over the course of me you know, growing up and getting mm-hmm. gayer and gayer, media also got gay and gay. Like, it didn't happen where I, like, at least for Jill, where she was already an adult and then media yep. got gay. Mm-hmm. Like, as I was getting gay, mm-hmm. so did yeah. the demand. And I think even that 10-year shift of, like, I was alive and remember the absolute, like, desert yeah. <laughs> of media, like, of watching Carmilla yeah. on YouTube yeah. and being like, this is essentially it. Or watching Glee for the side, you know, lesbian narratives yeah. or whatever. Or, like, if I wanted to watch gay media, it was, like, gay man media. Like, mm-hmm. Will and Grace mm-hmm. or something like that. And then now, obviously, like you said, with the title of Girls Can Kiss Now, talking specifically about lesbian representation or even just, like, sapphic at large. Not that I hashtag love that word, but just, like, girls kissing. Mm-hmm. Her depiction of it is 
like yeah yeah real i hashtag i was there liked her chapter on like we were talking about outing people right she talks about like perez hilton's like Mm -hmm. blog and like him and and her being a gayler she talks about gayler in that exactly and like how you know gay analysis and stuff figures into celebrities and their relationships to queerness and like being out or not and like her grappling mm-hmm. with that internally I think some of the conclusions that she comes to that is also from like her perspective is it going to be like fundamentally different from uh mm-hmm. like the way that we approach it so I thought that her talking and also her last chapter when she talks mm-hmm. about like folklore like so <laughs> fucking real oh, her How about like it was she's her turning into a werewolf yeah. and being isolated from <laughs> and exiled from society and her girlfriend being scared of her and her her clothes ripping off her body as she transforms into this monster listening to folklore and then her, and her being having like, to, like folklore everywhere reputation are the gayest albums of <laughs> No, like, she was so... I was cracking up. No, I was like, like... But that was another moment mm-hmm. where I'm like, I'm laughing. I think this is hashtag so real. Mm-hmm. But if I was, like, gave this to, like, my straight friends or the yeah. people that I meet, and they'd be like, you guys are weird for... Like, that's who would react wild. to that? Would right. And I'm like, no, no like that's this is community. This is fuck. real. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, we are not the crazy... Like, yes, we're crazy, but we're not crazy. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, and it's fun because she's mm-hmm. producing the lesbian media that like mm-hmm. she's talking about she that, that that she didn't have which is also like how we produce we. the media that we don't have <laughs> mm-hmm. because we yeah. think it's 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 dire it, there's a dire lack of it in the world so mm-hmm. we, ha- we we got to do it you know i think it's almost kind of meta that like, exactly and Jill also wrote this and then we're and her this and us about- talking about like the isolation of lesbian experiences and yeah. also across time historically so many of the interviews and stuff in the persistent desire are about people being like yeah i read the well of loneliness and i was like this is real as fuck like people people have been reading <laughs> yeah. and consuming lesbian media and that being the cornerstone of them understanding their identities and then going out into the world and trying to in, engage in the world in like a lesbian way for so long mm-hmm. like that has so, always been such a cornerstone of us and it's so beautiful to see it play across times time and generations even with people who are only like a decade removed from us in her talking yeah. about like realizing like her understanding her sexuality in relationship to understanding media and pop culture and like being a kid and coming of age and, like, seeing, obviously, like, the mistreatment and sexualization of women in media and also, like, no trying to come to terms with your own attraction to and relationship to, like, women in your real life. Like, wow. Like, she's very, she's very hashtag real. She's a very real writer for that. Yeah. No, I think in my final review, because obviously I love, I love, I don't have that many followers on Goodreads and, like, that's not, like, oh, please follow me kind of moment, like, Anyways, so I, I, I love to do silly little updates. Like, I don't have an audience who's, like, looking for my recommendations like Sunny has. So I just, <laughs> I just buy my little I haven't even looked at your review. Let me um, go see. I don't know if I'll be able to find you. Well, but I was just like, not to come off too strong, Joe Gutowitz, I think we need to be best friends. Right. <laughs> Which is, like, truly how I feel. Like, reading this, I was like, I, I need to just, like, be in a room with Joe Gutowitz and just, like, talk to her please and she has a i think a short film oh yeah yeah, yeah. 
or that like is out it's like making the festival rounds or whatever right now and i want to see it so 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 bad i hope it gets released somewhere or somehow however much of a like just twitter follower fan i was of joe gutowitz like after reading this like i'll take a bullet for her i will go to war for her i will stand by her like this has just like I, I i don't even know how to explain and like in a way it's like listen is this like the cutting edge super progressive experimental like essay writing no but she's also not marketing it as that you know like yeah. this is not like this is more important and more valuable than just looking at her skills as an essay writer but also like her essays are compelling like it is a page yeah. turner like I did want to read them I did want to know about her observations and the way that she articulates them is both entertaining and like not educational because I knew all of the things that she was talking about. <laughs> right. It's like enlightening like, and like a good time. Like, yeah, it, it's just nice to see someone else talk about it and also like have gotten paid and seeing this like mm -hmm. be out somewhere that like in the future people can point to this and being like, this is at least one perspective that probably mirrored what this group of people were thinking about these things at this time. And it's, and it's a like, true so real representation is. because it yeah. is like, come on. Yeah. It's like, by the way, so if anyone's looking for secondary sources right. on this, if you're studying this in the future, like, yes, this is yeah. real. There's a yeah. group of people who, who thought yeah. exactly like how Joe Gutowitz portrays in her essay. She's not a crazy one-off case for having written these things. For real. Towards the end, like, her last couple of essays are just, like, more personal. In the beginning, yeah. she talks about more, like, specific, like, she picks specific moments of, like, the different times in her age and analyzes those like from yeah like comparing her perspective on those things when she was younger versus looking back at them now as like an adult and however many years removed and then over the course of the collection of essays it becomes more about her life and yeah she gets more intimate towards now yeah. yeah but i think that like all of them are like valuable yeah. and important she met her girlfriend for... on a dating app right yeah, yeah, I think him. That's so funny because I, I asked Melinda Lowe, or no, I didn't. Someone in the at the talk asked her how she met her wife, and she was like, "When I was in San Francisco, mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to like date someone who I didn't already know, so I went on Match.com, and <laughs> and that's mm -hmm. why I met my wife." It's like this is like guys, the way that the internet and like relationships and lesbianism have all have all sort of brought together and and amalgamated into such a messy wonderful <laughs> terrible thing is just so mm -hmm. fun and crazy to witness like in real time and that's the joy of it all like come on yeah that's why we make this shit like, like please Literally. I mean, one of the earlier essays is the 10 most important sapphic paparazzi photos in modern history. And it's like, yeah, it's just like this essay just needed to be written. <laughs> like this compil like this list. Someone needed, needed to write this. Like, it's like, like, it's just like, this was like necessary. Right. Like, <laughs> like this. We as a society, like, we needed it. It was It was needed. And like the next one is like a supercut of lesbian yearning. Like, yeah, someone just had to write it. And as Joe Gutowitz saw the need, 
picked up the pen yeah. and got to fucking work. It's yeah. like no one wants to no one wants to get off their ass and fucking work these days. <laughs> Joel Gutowitz doing the fucking work. Like, please, I'm crying. So so obsessed. Oh my god. Okay, are we good to do res- uh, recommendations now? Yes, I can finally share my recommendation that I've been holding on to. I'm cracking the fuck up. No, please. Five ever. I have been... So I got COVID. Boo. And mm-hmm. during that, it's launched a new era for Sunny. It's an, an era <laughs> that I haven't been in since, like, beginning of 2020. And that is my mm-hmm. movie-watching era. We're bo- so we're both recommending movies, okay? That's... Yeah. Let's just put that up, up there. Front. And... I watched a movie on one of the first nights of my of my COVID quarantine slay, and it was mm-hmm. it's called A Date for Mad Mary. It was made in 2016. It was directed by Darren Thornton, and it's only 82 minutes. Woo! It's an Irish lesbian movie. Slay, 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 slay. Two of my favorite things. <laughs> and this woman, Mary, gets out of jail or out of prison and she is the like maid of honor or whatever the fuck for her best friend from high school and she starts getting involved with the wedding photographer and it's Mm -hmm. it's a very like it's really sad but it's so hopeful it's like one of those like Movies about like a psychologically unwell, disturbed woman in a very in a small community, and her journey in reckoning with how she's not a good person, and that is something that can be so slay and important. But that's my recommendation. This actually really parallels mine, but it's not hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> like all of those things could also be said about the movie that I'm going to recommend, except it is not a hopeful. Or sweet thing at all. Sorry, mm. I didn't mean to cut you off. It was just so funny how yeah. parallel I mean, they were. I think, like, it, it's not even that it's, like, necessarily, like, su- sweet. Like, it was sweet to me. To me, I was like, aw. But, like, <laughs> but, like the actual <laughs> the actual text itself, I think, is pretty... It, it, it's quite dark, but in a way that, like, is very like, real, it feels kind of, like, gritty and raw in a way, and she definitely has, like, a drinking problem, and, like, she has a weird relationship with her mom and her grandma, whom she lives with, and obviously Mm -hmm. she just got out of prison, and she has, like, she, like, has a reputation, essentially, uh, for being, like, a, like, she was in prison for fighting, I guess, and Mm -hmm. she keeps on getting kicked out of this club, and she's very violent, and so she's, everyone calls her Mad Mary, obviously, that's why it's called A Date Mm -hmm. for Mad Mary, and she, the reason why she, like, it's kind of, has a rom-com type setup, but it's dark, right, because she Mm -hmm. is, she basically tells her friend, the bride-to-be, that she has a date to the wedding, because otherwise, Mm -hmm. you know, she feels like she's gonna look stupid, so she just tell she just Mm -hmm. makes up a guy that she's gonna be with. But he's not real. So, like, she's trying to find <laughs> a guy to, like, be her date, essentially. Yeah. And things just go south. And But then she develops this, like, friendship that becomes something more. And it's, like, uh, anyway. But on to your recommendation. That's mine. That's mine. And it's it's indie. I found right. it on Canopy. And I was just, mm-hmm. like, you know, looking for... But anyways. So, yes. My recommendation is the big-ass hit, Tar... 
2022, of course, directed by Todd Field with uh, Kate Blanchett and Nina Haas and Naomi Merlot, which who's from Portrait of Lady on Fire, of course. And I'll just read the synopsis on Letterboxd just to set the stage. The film set in the international world of classical music centers on Lydia Tarr, widely considered one of the greatest living composer conductors and first ever female chief conductor of a major German orchestra. Um, and she's the conductor of like the Berlin Orchestra. And this movie, first of all, I am very critical of most movies over 100 minutes, let alone 120 minutes. This movie is 158 minutes long and every moment of it is necessary and important and economic and no scene feels drawn out or too long which i think is like very very impressive for a film the directing of the film absolutely like st like like there are just times where i was just like god it's like how do you even see this in your mind's eye and then execute it but what really is the standout of the film is Kate Blanchett, of course, playing another lesbian. Lydia Tarr is a lesbian. And, like, her performance, like, feels so real. Like, it feels like you're watching, like, a biopic, but realer. Which is insane huh. to say because Lydia Tarr is a fictional person. Yeah. Like, she's not even real. But she is. But yeah. she's not. Yeah. And it's, like, this movie... Okay. it It's... Not like Bodies, Bodies, Bodies at all in any okay. other way, but it reminds me of Bodies, Bodies, Bodies in our compliment of like how it talks about like contemporary topics and how technology is like used yeah. in a way that feels accurate and not cheesy and not forced. Yeah. Like the things that are talked about in the themes of the movie are like very, very contemporary, but not in a gotcha feminism oh look at how progressive we are mm -hmm, mm -hmm. look at blah 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 kind of way in a very like no like hashtag real way that I think very few films um are able to do and the kind of like power dynamics that are explored in the movie I think do a really good job at like really focusing and pinpointing how like these things are not biologically predestined but like the manipulation of abuse of power is like what makes various systems fucked up mm -hmm. in a way that I just don't think a lot of films are are, are capable giving. of doing yeah it's not like um what is it like pretty young woman or whatever the one with yeah directed by Emerald Fe you know yeah you, you know the movie that mm -hmm. I'm talking about right mm -hmm. and it's like it's like that's a bad like yeah. it's like okay hashtag feminism but it's also a bad movie mm -hmm. you know or anything like that so I just think Tars is really genius um yeah I it's saw kind of a shame that it's oh what I saw the trailer on like Twitter like a couple weeks ago and I was like oh this looks good I want to go see it yeah and then I was gonna go see it last night but then I saw another movie and said that was crazy uh, it was the menu mm -hmm. <laughs> with Annie Taylor yeah Dirt. that was a crazy ass movie I want to make a video about because I've been reading books and stuff I feel I've been consuming some media that sort of talks about like food and the restaurant industry and like mm -hmm money and women and capitalism in this way that is very interesting I think but anyways that's unrelated but because I was like oh I want to go see a movie maybe I should go see Tar and you were like no I need to recommend yeah. on the podcast first you can't beat yeah. me to this so I was like okay because maybe. you beat me to a league of their own I cannot Ugh, have that happen again God. 
But yeah, anyways, so I will be seeing it because I it was on my radar. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I have I have to see this. This seems really interesting, and like hashtag well done. So mm-hmm. I, it's nice that well, it's good and, that in a like, way, oh, it, all the lesbians are loving it. It seems like all the film Twitter yeah. bitches are eating this shit up. So yeah, it's so good. Well, I was gonna say it's kind of a shame that this came out the same year as Everything Everywhere All at Once in uh-huh. terms of like nom wise because. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm going to be rooting for Michelle Yeoh because if Kate Blanchett beats out Michelle Yeoh, I will be storming the, right. the stair, the yeah. great stairs of the Academy myself. But also, Kate Blanchett's performance in this is kind of fu- like it's so annoying when really annoying people are I'm actually crying. quite talented yeah. and some of like the most talented yeah. people. Yeah, um, us when we saw Jojo Rabbit and Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 very, very that. Um, like, no, when I like a Scarlett Johansson performance, which is why I tried to avoid it at all costs, because I just can't mm-hmm. have that as a, as a major no part way. of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's kind of, I mean, as a, as a movie enjoyer, the fact that Tar and Everything Everywhere All at Once came out in the same year, I'm enjoying it. Thinking about Twitter in future, yeah. like, award season. Oh, God. It's about to get real mean and nasty. It's about to get <laughs> real mean and nasty. I'm checking the, the forecast, Ooh. the weather forecast. Yeah. It says 99% See, chance of mean and nasty. Girls can kiss now. Lesbian movies. <laughs> real. Real. Like, God. You know. But yeah. We have good lesbian media. Like, we're eating. We're literally eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bodies, bodies, bodies. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Now I gotta go see Tar. Like, bruh. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. But anyways, that was today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If yeah. you got through all of that shit. Um... Well, you'll see us in the next episode. Subscribe to our Patreon yeah. if you want to see our video editions of this and get our bonus episodes and such, in which we talked about A League of Their Own for, like, yes. like an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Like, I had to cut that shit down crazy, bro. That was wild. We... Oh, my God. That's all. Bye. Bye.